0: My Lupus Living Room is a place to listen to the stories of ordinary, everyday people who are not afraid to share the struggles and successes of living with a chronic illness called lupus. These brave lupians put it all out there to bring us all in. We celebrate people living with lupus. My name is Suzanne. I am a mom, a wife, a business owner, and the CEO of the Lupus Foundation of America's Great Ohio Chapter, and a whole lot more. But most of all, I have lupus. My purpose and my passion are to help other people with lupus. For me, lupus was a lonely, miserable, misunderstood disease. And I'm here to tell you that today, it doesn't have to be. I want to talk more about the things we do not normally talk about. Since lupus impacts mostly women, my Lupus living room will have a focus on what it's like to be a woman living with this mysterious, unpredictable disease that has no cause or cure. I know that many would love to connect with others that have lupus. These women are fearless and have extraordinary stories of survival. I'm excited to welcome my not-so-famous guests and with their inspiring stories that offer hope and inspiration to fellow lupians. I believe this project will not only create awareness about lupus, but offer encouragement to those listening. Remember, there is no I in the word lupus, but there is the word us. The Lupus Foundation of America Great Ohio Chapter is here for you. For your chance to share your story and visit with me, you can reach out to me at Suzanne at Lupus Great Ohio or call one 888 Lupus. So for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy. This is Suzanne, and I'm excited about our topic today. Actually, it's a topic we don't speak about enough, or perhaps not at all. And it's about different types of wills, living wills. I mean, I have a slew in front of me of different types of wills, like durable power of attorney, non-durable power of attorney, medical durable medical power of attorney, the list goes on and on. And um, of recent, I've had many, friends, family, um, acquaintances who have unfortunately died. So this isn't a pleasant conversation, but it's a conversation that I think we need to talk about. Many of these people, uh, two died from COVID. Uh, One was a very young girl who had an overdose, accidental overdose. Uh, One was a young man who had three children, had brain cancer. And uh, one was an elderly gentleman who actually died in his driveway of a heart attack. And, um, you know, my heart's very heavy about all these losses, but what really intrigued me was no one knew they were going to die. No one knew that their time had come to an end. And many were old and many were not prepared, leaving their family to make decisions for them. And during this painful time, it was. A, it's a burden on the families. So how can we be more responsible? Or why is it are some of us so very irresponsible? And when is the time for us to plan? And whose job is it? Whose responsibility is it? So I have tons of questions, and I know it's an unpleasant conversation, but in today's world with COVID going on and so many overdoses, young, old, Uh, Professional, unprofessional—we're living in unprecedented times, and death isn't plenty isn't pleasant for anyone, no matter what your income is, what your culture is, or what your age. So, what can we do to manage our lives in the beginning and in the end? So, questions, questions, and I have a special guest today, and uh, he came to me because I had several challenges, and we worked on a couple um, projects here, and I said, you know. I need your help. We need to educate our constituents. And he graciously said, yes. So I'm going to introduce to you Mr. David Santoli. He is an attorney. He is located in Chesterlin. He's been practicing law for over 30 years. That's correct. Over 30 years. And um, maybe he can help us decipher this and teach us how to um, better navigate our life in the beginning and in the end. All right, so welcome, Mr. Santoli. Hi, David. Thanks for coming.
1: Good morning, Suzanne. It's a pleasure for me to be here. Great. So, thank you again for the invitation. It's a, it's a pleasure. And this topic is, is most timely. And it's one I'm very happy to share my knowledge with you about.
0: Great. So you see all these things here. OK, there's five different types of power of attorney. I know when I go to the hospital, they ask me if I have a health directive. And then I see here a living will. And then there's a regular will is a health care power of attorney. Right. What do we need and at what age do we start this process?
1: Well, uh, there is no time like the present to start considering your personal estate planning needs and your family's estate planning needs. Uh, you, you raise a good point. Nowadays, in this 21st century, anytime you go to the hospital for a procedure, whether routine or complex, they will ask you at the admission desk, do you have a health care power of attorney Do you have a living will? In Ohio, it's called a living will declaration. Um, You may or may not, they'll still perform the procedures or the surgery, they'll treat you, but they want to know in the event things take a turn for the worse, who do they reach out to? Who do they contact? Who has authority to speak for you when you can't speak for yourself? So when I meet with clients, both young and old, I discuss the basic building blocks or foundation of any estate plan. I like that,
0: building blocks. It's, it's, it's okay. forming
1: a structure, and it okay. can be as ornate or as simple as you decide. This is customized to each and every client, each and every family. There are some general principles, however, that apply universally across the board. First document we can talk about is the last will and testament. Okay. right? That's ultimately the, the declaration, that the blueprint that you leave behind for the distribution of your assets after you pass away. And we can get into that in more detail, Uh, but you have total flexibility in, in terms of how you dispose of your wealth that you've accumulated over your lifetime. There's some nuances, though, in terms of what's a probate asset subject to the will, what's not, and we'll get into those details, too. But the last will and testament is that constitution, that blueprint, that framework that your chosen executor will follow to make sure that there's an orderly distribution of your assets after you're gone. During your lifetime, it's a dormant document. What if
0: we don't ha- What if young people like the young girl who passed away yeah. doesn't have assets? Do you still need a will?
1: I always recommend a will because, as you pointed out early on, you just never know when your number will be called, and it could be tomorrow, it could be in ten years, it could be in you know fifty years, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the will is designed to be uh, a document that evolves with you as your life changes. But there are things that, that the will provides that um, don't necessarily require a specific asset that has to be distributed. Uh, the unusual circumstance, for example. Uh, you're the victim of a medical malpractice claim or a car accident, a drunk driver kills you, and now your estate has a wrongful death claim against okay. the, the responsible party.
0: Sure.
1: The representative of your estate if you have a will, it is your chosen executor who then can bring a lawful a lawsuit or a legal action against the responsible party on behalf of your estate and your next of kin. So you have a personal representative there that will then take charge of the situation, respond to the probate court, manage the litigation, collect the uh, damage award that can be recovered, and then make the distribution according to the plan that you set forth in your will. So you may, hopefully you'll never in you know your family will never encounter that tragedy but, but we don't know you don't know
0: we don't know so i have to share with you i um, mean it's no secret that my family's had multiple terrible tragedies um two which did involve overdose i lost two two nephews young nephews to drug overdose okay and i've had time to fight that fight i would fight that fight too but there's only so much time i have but he had a young child so does will speak, if you don't have assets, does it still speak to the
1: children? Absolutely. So in, in, a, in a will, you can, if you have assets, you can provide for the preservation of those assets, placement into a trust, management of the investments, distribution as the children mature or get older. But you can also nominate guardians to then take care of your children, your heirs, if they're still minors until they can become adults and manage their own lives. So you can nominate a guardian. So if you have a young family, husband and wife with a young child, uh, something happens to the one parent, naturally the surviving parent is gonna raise the child. Mm-hmm. Heaven forbid something should happen to both yeah, parents. That
0: happened to us. And
1: yeah. they have a small child that survives them. In the parent's wills, they can nominate a guardian. And that is given great deference by our probate courts. Person handpicked by a parent to be the responsible party for raising their children is given great deference. It's not the final say, because the courts still have to do what's in the children's best interests. Mm. But if you've been entrusted, if, if the parent has expressed that vote of confidence in you to nominate you, it goes a long way okay. in the process. Good to know. Uh, but back to you know, if a single individual without yet accumulating wealth, it's not crucial that they have a last will and testament. It's nice. It's part of the plan. But anytime there's a change in circumstances, uh, graduation from college, uh, marriage, divorce, birth of a child, death of a parent, those events in your life are opportunities to sit back then and review your estate plan, which can be modified and evolve with you as your circumstances change. So for a single individual just starting out in their careers, you may have the most basic plan possible. And as you age and mature and accumulate wealth, develop friendships, relationships, your distribution plans can be more complex at that point.
0: Why do you suppose everyone procrastinates on this? Is it money or do they not? Well, let's talk about money. Can these vary in prices? Are they unafford? I'm trying to figure out why people yeah. procrastinate because time goes very quickly. And I just can't believe that most of the people I know are, and I, they're not idiots, okay, they're not stupid right. people. That They're normal, us, why aren't we prepared? Why is the procrastination, I, I or think, is it resistance? Is it resistance?
1: Uh, I think there are two reasons, primarily. One, uh, psychological, the other may be financial. The psychological component might be, uh, we don't want to contemplate our own mortality. I don't want to, if I have a will, I'm gonna jinx myself when I'm gonna get hit by a bus. Mm -hmm. I I don't wanna think about dying, I wanna be busy living, Living. so they procrastinate. The second would be financial. Uh, I gotta gotta pay my mortgage, I gotta pay my rent, I gotta put food on the table, I gotta pay an attorney now to draw up a document for me. And that's why you see these proliferations of self-help Websites, Mm -hmm. uh, documents, easy preparation, (laughs) and and (laughs) in Ohio, a lot of the work has been done for us by uh, the Ohio State Bar Association, Ohio State Medical Association. They've established forms that are universal and recognized by all the courts in Ohio. Mm -hmm. Uh, Last uh, living will declaration and the uh, powers of attorney, and in fact, the there's a stat. You know, the Ohio statute has a general power of attorney. Uh, template that you can use. So if you're so inclined, you can draw down or download these uh, form documents. Mm -hmm. But every circumstance is unique. So I don't want to say the cookie cutter form is going to be perfect for your situation. I would say this is an investment as part of, you're going to have life insurance or you're going to have car insurance. This is sort of an insurance policy for the, for the estate that you leave behind. Uh, I would spend a little bit of money consulting with a professional advisor. Doesn't have to be me, but a professional advisor who can guide you and explain the, the nuances of each document and then the options available to you for customization. But the, uh, if you're one of those do-it-yourselfers, there are products out there that you can rely on but make sure it's been endorsed by Ohio State Bar Association, Ohio State Medical Association. And I'm only speaking to Ohio law. I don't know how broad your audience is. Correct. I'm only licensed to practice law in Ohio, okay. and that's where I'm giving my ex- expert advice. Right.
0: So I did note, so I do, do pay attention to that. If you're going to surf online and find out these different platforms, and I did it this morning myself, printed all these things in front of me, be very cautious because every state could be different. You want to be clear. That if you're going to be uh do it yourself or that it's for the state of ohio all right and um just be clear and if you have questions and you're not sure i would reach out to some to a professional an attorney and um you know maybe there's different prices for that i don't know how these prices are structured i'm sure some yeah. attorneys do per hour maybe they do it per package but you need to invest in it. And I have no idea. What does a simple power of attorney cost? I know that could vary. Uh,
1: Well, number one, you're right. Uh, You should shop around because it is a product that you're purchasing. For the lawyer, you're paying for their expertise, their time, their advice, and then the written document or the product that they're going to deliver to you and you're a consumer of legal services, Mm -hmm. so you have every right to shop around and compare the credentials of the attorney, the attorney's professionalism, Mm -hmm. as well as the maybe references or other satisfied clients who can say, yes, I have confidence in his or her abilities, Trust them. Right. right. Get
0: a reference from someone you know, perhaps, you'll feel more comfortable with it. The word of mouth, ref- yeah. ref- that, I
1: mean, that's exclusively how I well, uh, develop I know, new business. Know, I,
0: I wear another hat on my <laughs> head. I own a real estate company with my family, and everything you said is, is the same thing. Everybody wants to do it for sale by owner. But look, you don't get the expertise of the 30 years that I've had in the business because every deal could have a bump, right? and I have the skill to help you. Right. Okay, so and,
1: and, and in terms of attorney services uh, some will charge by the hour,
0: Okay.
1: Uh, some will charge per product delivered. In my practice, my unique practice for a basic estate plan I charge a flat fee regardless of how much time or how many iterations of a document that we go through because I want my client to be satisfied with the work product. And then I don't think this, must, this is probably true for many attorneys uh, you establish a relationship with the client through this establishing of the preparation of a basic estate plan, mm-hmm. in the hopes that perhaps more business will come your family. way. The rest of the family. Rest of the family,
0: Become or a family attorney. Right? Are you going to
1: sell a business? Are going to sell a house? Or something else comes up, and you've established that relationship. This may be what gets you in the door. So you want to do a good job in preparing a simple, uh, but comprehensive, uh, un- uh, effective estate plan really effectiveness for a client.
0: So I like how you said building blocks, okay? So the first one would probably be a simple will, no matter what age you are.
1: Right, and that's the safety net to catch anything that you haven't otherwise planned for. Uh, In your real estate practice, you know that a a house can be for a joint and survivorship form of ownership. That's right, transfer and death. Transfer and death death designation. Those are planning tools to avoid the probate process Mm -hmm. So that the assets will pass according to that designated survivor. A
0: advantage to that,
1: yeah, huge. But the will catches everything else that hasn't been planned for in advance. It's the safety net. So that. Uh, so
0: the other question I have is, um, you know, we're at the Lupus Foundation here, and we live with chronic illnesses, yeah. and unfortunately, and I always use myself as a t- as an example because I'm sitting here and, and I've lived it. Um, very young in my life um, they told me I would die from lupus and it would be soon. Okay well uh, thankfully the Lord had other plans and I'm still here but what about I wanted to make my wishes perfectly clear about you know do I want to be cremated? Do I want to have a funeral? Do I want to be on life support? Can Uh, we talk about that? Which one of these documents speak to that?
1: uh, We would then first focus on the Living Will Declaration in Ohio, which is an advanced directive regarding life-sustaining treatment which is applicable in two unique situations in Ohio. Terminal illness, where there is no possibility of a cure, uh, that medical science has just found ways to continue your living but can't reverse the the illness, and death would be imminent, meaning it's going to happen in a relatively short period of time without intervening measures. Modern day, you think of a ventilator, somebody being put on a ventilator to, to breathe for them. Uh, without it, they're going to pass on. So you can say in your living will declaration, if I'm in a terminal condition, where not just one physician, but two have can, can reviewed my records and determined that within a reasonable degree of medical certainty, mm-hmm. death is likely to occur in a relatively short period of time, but for these intervening measures. The d- disease is going to run its course and it can't be reversed, it can't be cured. You can say in that situation, don't sustain me through artificial means. Mm-hmm. Withdraw this, this artificial technology that's keeping me alive and let nature take its course. Second situation, we call it the uh, a permanent unconscious state. A permanent coma, sometimes you hear it referred to as a persistent vegetative state. Most often there's a traumatic brain injury, mm-hmm. your body, is an organism now that can be sustained, but you're no longer the individual that you once were. You don't respond to any stimulus. You're not aware of yourself or your surroundings. There's really no brain activity. But the body as an organism can be kept alive through artificial means, artificial food, uh, hydration, water, through uh, intravenous means. In that situation, you can say in advance, if I'm ever in that permanent unconscious state, don't use artificial means to sustain me, just let me die naturally. Preserve, you know, my dignity and don't attempt uh, to keep me alive against my will. Uh, mm-hmm. What you do by, by filling out this declaration in, in Ohio, again, is these two situations. It's not saying if I'm sick, euthanize me. It's not authorizing an accelerated death. Uh, Ohio doctors mm-hmm. will not do that. And if you're in pain, you're always gonna get pain medication. Comfort care will always be provided. If you are hungry and you're thirsty and you can express that, you're always gonna get fed and you're gonna get fluids. It's really end of life, end stage decision-making when you can no longer communicate. This takes the burden off of your family, the surviving family members who love you and wanna keep you alive at all costs. But you can say to them, there's no guilt. I've made this decision while I'm competent. I have discussed this with my physician, my attorney. This is my declaration. I'm at peace with this. Mm -hmm. You my family should respect these wishes and don't fight amongst yourselves. And don't blame the physicians. They're following my instructions. Now, conversely, I've done this for clients. Many people are people of faith, whether in a higher power or in the advances of modern science. They say, keep me alive, Mm -hmm. don't disconnect the tubes because I think there's going to be a breakthrough or something will happen. We can state that in advance as well. So it's the two sides of the coin, no artificial sustenance, let nature take its course, or preserve my life as long as possible. That's, again, a personal choice. Those are two sides to the advance declaration.
0: Yeah, you know, I have to share with you again, because the experience in my life is that happened to us twice in my family. I had a nine-year-old nephew who was hit by a pickup truck in front of the house, okay, hmm. and his brain was severed, the stem of his Ouch. brain. And, of course, yeah. you can imagine how hysterical everyone is. Um, and, you know, he's on a ventilator. How long can we do this for? And, you know, it was like, like two or four days before they decided to um, cease the ventilation. And then decisions came up about organ donation, well, you no know, one ever had had a conversation. He was a child, so, you know, and the trauma is so horrifying. And then we had another niece, and she was a little bit older, and same family, and we learned from that experience that maybe we should do not Maybe she would want, mm-hmm. you know, she was in college. So these are terrible things that a family has to decide on at any age. So what do you want to do? And we've had people here at the foundation... <laughs> you know, incredibly so, donate their whole bodies to science for research, okay, or they were on organ, or I don't even know if lupus patients can donate organs. That's something that I would have to look into. Does your will speak to that, or is that a different well, document? Well, you,
1: you, 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 there are provisions. You can build in those provisions in your living will declaration regarding the donation of organs and tissues, uh, whether for transplantation, for research purposes, for educational purposes many people donate their bodies to medical schools mm-hmm. to educate that next generation of, of physicians but yes you, you can state that in your living will declaration you can reiterate it in your health care power of attorney when you go to regi- renew your driver's license you can say okay. I want to be part of the organ donor registry okay so yes you, you you can state that and then as a corollary we're talking about you know the advanced directives regarding burial uh, funeral services yeah. cremation uh, you, you can put that in a will, last will and testament, but sometimes the last will and testament doesn't get probated until weeks or months right. after you pass on. You can, I always say to my client, we can talk about this. Let's do a separate declaration okay. regarding the disposition of your worldly remains. Do you want to be cremated? Do you want to have a you know funeral service? Depending on a religious uh, belief that you mm-hmm. pr- profess, do you want to have a civil uh, service, memorial service afterwards? I'll, I'll craft that declaration to suit your particular wishes, and I've had gentlemen who are, you know, um, me, uh, military veterans. Mm-hmm. They have a, a specific they want to be dressed in their sure. dressed uniform yes, with their medals with on display, I know what I want. and then buried <laughs> in the you know the national cemetery. There's I think one in Grafton. Um, there's uh, you know Arlington Cemetery. You've heard sure. veterans wanting to be buried there. You, we we can set that out in a specific declaration. That's that's beyond the scope of the living will declaration. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's something that I I can put into a last will and testament as long as the people who you know and love understand that those are your wishes and it's not left in a shoebox or in a dresser drawer uh, or hidden away because it needs to be implemented if you're near the end of your life or shortly after you pass on. Okay,
0: so I would imagine that as we go through life with our building blocks, as you mentioned, with all these different documents here, they can be changed. They're not carved in stone. We can change them as things change in our life.
1: Absolutely correct. The only time you can't change your last will and testament is after you're gone.
0: Sure. So each time we change it, do we get, and I'm asking because people are money conscious, mm-hmm. Do they get rebuilt for a whole new document, or can there be a change or it is an addendum?
1: Well, yeah, um, again, every law practice is different. Okay. And, you know, as Abe Lincoln said, a lawyer's stock and trade is his time and advice. Okay. So I would imagine that if you go to an attorney several years after the first foundation was mm-hmm. was laid, you'll probably be charged again for those services. And it would be... it's. It's a simplified method nowadays with word processing software mm-hmm. that the original template has already been created, so it's much more efficient and takes less time okay. to adapt that document to the new circumstances. So I would expect you to be charged, but maybe less than initially uh, for the okay. preparation of documents from day so, one.
0: So coming along with the pen and pencil, and scratching it out, and initially it isn't going to work. I, people have done that. They've told me they've done that. I said, I don't know. Uh,
1: it can work, but it has to be the, the the key is to have it attested to properly. So under Ohio law, any type of testamentary disposition needs to be signed by the principal, the testator, okay. the person who makes the will, and witnessed by two adult individuals.
0: Does it have to be notarized?
1: The last will and testament does not need to be notarized. Okay. Now, if we get into the living will declaration, uh, if you change that, the, the it's an either or proposition you can have your signature either witnessed by two other adult individuals not related to you by blood marriage adoption they're not serving as the administrator of a nursing home where you're living okay. they, they have no reason to profit or gain from any of the decisions that you make so you can have two disinterested adult witnesses or a notary attest to your signature on a living will declaration and same with the health power of attorney and financial power of attorney which are the other two building blocks so if you change something by hand, then that change has to be attested to or, okay. or witnessed or notarized. Okay. You so just
0: can't it, come over here and play attorney and think you got it. <laughs> uh,
1: once documents are, are, are modified, uh, they may be considered question. spoiled. Okay. They could be called into question. There could be a contest. So a court probate courts don't like to see documents marked up by hand. With scrib- scribbles and scratches and it can be done if all the I other formalities be, are observed
0: it could be questioned right me. it
1: could, it be, could questioned be questioned and who needs to have a contest or oh, a question really? uh, let's I want to catch uh, catch up with though this foundation yes. last will and testament number one living will declaration number two that's the advanced directive for life-sustaining okay. treatment number three broader in scope than the living will declaration it's the health care power of attorney In Ohio, you can state in advance, I have an agent who's authorized to access my medical information, consult with my health care providers, and then make decisions whenever I'm incapacitated. And that incapacity could be brought about by an injury or an illness, uh, advanced age, the mere effects of anesthesia or medication. Mm -hmm. If you are not competent or capable of making an informed, intelligent decision on a medical issue, for whatever reason, mm-hmm. your named agent can step up to the plate and say, I understand what Suzanne or David wants. We've had the conversation. We're going to select a physician. We're going to consent to a procedure. We're going to agree to um, a medication. We're going to get a second opinion. We're going to transfer to a different facility. That's a very broad delegation of authority to your health care uh, agent, the person who has that uh, power of attorney, to make a medical decision. So any decision you could make while competent and capable of understanding, your agent can make when you're incapacitated. So and it,
0: can you pick more? Can you pick a backup? I mean, is there Plan A agent, Plan B? What if something happens to the well? First agent? That's a
1: good question. Yes, you really should think of successors and alternates because you can't force somebody to be an agent if they don't want to do it, or you don't know what their circumstances would be, what their health situation would be like. So yes, I will always advise a client to think about an alternate or two. Yeah,
0: because even in today's time, number A, with COVID, could pass suddenly, unexpectedly, and then what do you do? You start all over. I would want to have a backup plan. It's nice
1: to have a plan B in case okay. the first plan, and sometimes a plan C too. So yes, you can pick alternates, and they could go in order of priority. Okay. Right? Uh, who would then be granted that authority to make medical decisions for? You. That's what the healthcare power of attorney does. So. You go into the, you know, going to have a procedure, hip replacement, at the admission desk. Do you have the living will, <laughs> just in case things go wrong. go wrong? We know what your advanced directive is with respect to life-sustaining treatment. Do you have a healthcare power of attorney? Because if you're under anesthesia, and they need to make a decision, they're going to consult that agent. Mm-hmm. Right? And then when you regain consciousness and you're recovering, the agent's authority goes into the background. You then resume your. Primary responsibility for managing your own health care decisions. And we call them durable powers of attorney because they are not, they don't lapse because of your incapacity. So if we did something now, a you know, 57-year-old individual, they create a healthcare power of attorney durable in nature. Twenty years from now, that individual may have Alzheimer's disease, mm-hmm. dementia. That health care power of attorney continues in force, and that agent can then step up and say, I'm David's agent. He's entrusted me with his medical decisions. We were young and vibrant, you know, 20 years ago, but now David needs help. So that's when the agent's authority can be invoked.
0: So do they have expiration dates on them, or are they good until we change them?
1: A durable power of attorney, by its very nature, does not have an expiration date. Okay. Uh, when you die, the powers of attorney expire with you. With you. They don't, so that's why you have a will designated an executor to then manage your estate after you're gone. But the health care power of attorney expires with your death. It can be revoked by you at any time. Mm-hmm. I, can Again, not, my, I
0: can change my mind. Uh,
1: you can change your mind. So it's okay. living will too. They're not carved in stone, as you aptly noted earlier. Okay. They can be modified. And then this... we. Touched on briefly this financial power of attorney. That's the fourth cornerstone okay. of this of uh, this estate plan, and that's you know while the medical issues are complex enough, now you got financial issues to deal with, collecting money that's owed to you, paying the bills, covering your mortgage, your insurance, you know, balancing your checkbook. Sometimes if you're incapacitated again, whether an illness, mm-hmm. advanced age, an injury, you got an agent who can access your checking account who can make sure the, the bills are paid properly. You don't run afoul of your landlord or your mortgage company or your mm-hmm. car insurance doesn't lapse. So you've designated an agent to handle that type of financial transaction, manage that business. And it, it doesn't have to necessarily require your incapacity. Let's say I'm going to go on an extended trip. I'm going out of town. While I'm away, Suzanne, I'm going to make you my agent under this power of attorney. Make sure my the lights stay on in my house. Mm-hmm. My g- gas doesn't cut off pay my bills I'll see you in two months time mm-hmm. so you can designate an agent at any time, yeah, for, any time for, any for any reason but for estate planning purposes it's really if I'm incapacitated if I'm not able to manage these affairs I got somebody I can count on my right hand
0: you know I tell you this happened to me too I, I, you know I, I feel like um, I've been on this roller coaster journey in life but it happened my brother-in-law who was in real estate, um, suddenly got a, a huge brain tumor and um, he was incapacitated immediately I didn't know he had like 15 rental properties I didn't know and his wife was so hysterical taking care of him nobody paid the rent for months or the utilities they took advantage of a very horrible situation and after his passing because he died suddenly uh, we had a, a scrambling to help right. because right. he didn't have an agent okay so these things i'm a real person and these things happen to real people all the time this is all All this is
1: advanced planning now it doesn't have to be that complex but what requires you to do is really think about your situation and if you if you do designate an agent somebody who is the attorney in fact don't keep it secret from them Mm -hmm. If, if suzanne if you're thinking about making david your attorney in fact have a conversation whether it's for a medical issue. You know, this is my personal philosophy on medical treatment, transplantation, mm-hmm. uh, transfusions, medications, uh, experimental treatments, mm-hmm. even facilities. I like Cleveland Clinic versus yeah, I like University university. Yeah. Touchy have topics, a, but, all of them. But have <laughs> a conversation.
0: topics. So you have to agree on it. Right. You have to have an understanding. And,
1: and then the same with your financial issues, okay. too. Um, your agent should know where you do your banking, yeah. and maybe you make that introduction to the bank manager or to the, you know, the branch, mm-hmm. so that there isn't all of a sudden some stranger walking in, yeah. and introducing themselves. Yeah. Well, I'm Suzanne's here, attorney. Right. In fact, I want right. access to her bank account. Make that advance introduction. It'll simplify things down the road.
0: Yeah. Boy, I tell you as i've gotten older and traveled through life and all these things have really touched me and my family it was one of the reasons i thought it was important why is everyone so reluctant and resistant so let's take some responsibility about this okay and i wish we had more time and i wish we can dig deeper but at least we've touched some very important um things here and i love the 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 idea of the building blocks to get it all done um so we know we can change it. Oh, the biggest thing I wanted to ask is, my goodness, where do we keep it? Where do we keep it? Yeah. And and how does anybody know we have it?
1: Yeah, excellent question. So uh, I say don't lock things away in a safe deposit box that no one else can get access to, if, if not for weeks or months after you're gone. So if you've got a place where you keep your important papers like your deed to your house or a life insurance policy or a birth certificate or a passport, I would, Keep these documents with those other documents. Uh, in Cahoga County, where we're speaking to you now, you can deposit. You can deposit your last will and testament with the probate court for safekeeping, and it can be retrieved at any time. And you can authorize an agent to go and retrieve your will. It's safe. Well, uh, who knows it's there? Well, then you get a you get a slip, and then that mm-hmm. slip is with your other important papers. Uh, I, as an attorney, don't want to preserve. The original documents from my clients mm-hmm. something could happen to me i could move away i could retire i'll keep a copy i'll have electronic can format in my computer can
0: copies and give them to family members
1: uh, you can
0: okay
1: the last will and testament the original document needs to be presented to the probate court photocopy for all intents and purposes won't work living will declaration you'll have the original document but by all means you make copies of that and give one to your you know primary care physician mm-hmm. in advance or other physicians that you treat with saying, put this in my chart. You've got my immunization record, now here's a copy of my living will. Oh, here's a copy of my healthcare power of attorney. In advance, you give that to them. The agents that you name into the healthcare power of attorney or the financial power of attorney, they can have a copy too. You have an insurance agent, you have a banker, you have an investment advisor. Oh, here's a copy of my financial Mm -hmm. power of attorney that I just created. I've got the original in my records, but here's a copy. I'm in making this introduction now. Mm-hmm. Put it with my file. Um, the uh, living will declaration, the healthcare poverty, and financial poverty attorney. I don't consider them secret documents. Okay. Uh, in the declara- the living will declaration, you might identify two contacts or points of reference for the healthcare providers to notify in the event that your life is going to end in a short period of time. But those people that you identify as contacts have no authority to countermand your instructions or revise your declaration. But what they'll do is they'll call the rest of the family. They can come and pay their respects to you. They can call your funeral director. They can find out where the other papers are to get things in order. Um, But I would have a conversation with my healthcare agent. I would have a conversation with my financial agent. The people i've identified as contacts or my loved ones in my living will declaration i would have a conversation with them so there's really no ambiguity there's no disagreement there's no room for misunderstanding and either you know that they're going to accept that delegation of authority i will be your agent under a power of attorney or i'm not going to do it then i got then you know you got to go to plan b and have your successor ready to do that
0: wow it it sounds complicated but i think with the right Attorney, I think um, with their skills, and if you're comfortable with them, and you get referrals um, on who to work with, I think that the the journey doesn't have to be um, as challenge challenging as it perceives to be. Uh, and David, you do an eloquent job at um, spelling this all out for us with with some very heavy vocabulary, um, which I'm hoping everyone understands. Um, but I do want to make it clear, we're running out of time, so I just want to make um, this clear as we do with every topic that we have. It is not the intention of the Lupus Foundation of America's Greater Ohio Chapter to tell you what to do or to steer business or recommend any product or services. It is educational, okay, and hopefully it will stimulate a conversation, so I want to welcome Thank you, David. My pleasure. Uh, for taking the time um, to going over these documents that are so needed here in my lupus living room. And um, I'm hoping that our audience really, really takes the time to think about this and start making plans. It's Now is the time, no matter what age you're at. Okay, And if you did it 30, 50 years ago, you might want to pull it out and give it a fresh look because things have changed. And as always, um, you know, you can refer back if you need references. Um, ask your family, ask your friends. Uh, I think there's also a free legal site in Cleveland somewhere. Well,
1: I, I'm a member of the Cleveland Metropolitan Bar Association. Okay. So they have absolutely a lawyer referral service. Okay. Um, they're the, they're the, the go-to uh, organization in the Cleveland metropolitan area but every county has a bar. So in Geauga County where my practice is located, although I cover all of Northern Ohio, there's a Geauga County Bar Association. You can always reach out to them and they'll have a list of members and practice areas and people that they can refer you to. Okay,
0: great. So as a reminder here at the Lupus Foundation, this is Suzanne Tierney, wishing that you have a better quality of life. And part of my goal um, as the director here is to help navigate your journey while living with a chronic disease of lupus. Remember, there is no I in the word lupus, but there is us. I'm doing the journey with you, learning as I go, and surviving. And that's the good news. Happy to share with you, and I'll talk to you soon from our lupus living room. (laughs) Bye-bye. Remember, there is no I in lupus, but there is an us. Until next time, this has been my lupus living room with the Lupus Foundation of America's Great Ohio Chapter. For more information and resources to help you in your lupus journey, please visit lupusgreatoohio.org or call 1-888-N-O-LUPUS. The funding for my lupus living room is an earmark from the state of Ohio and managed by the Ohio Department of Health. Your physician is the best person to help you in the treatment of lupus. The information you learn here today can be discussed with your doctor as your physician knows your medical history best. Please do not make any medical changes without consulting your physician first. As with any treatment, stay educated and get information from from trusted sources.